0: Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. The baseball writers voted just one player, David Ortiz, into the Baseball Hall of Fame last Tuesday, while some notable candidates' time is up on the ballot. to discuss this is the baseball writer and analyst for ESPN, and who last month was named the recipient of the Baseball Writers Association of America's Career Excellence Award, Tim Kirchin of ESPN. Jim, uh, uh, Tim, I'm sorry, those, <laughs> those tongue-tied there, but Tim, appreciate you coming on for a few minutes here on this Monday morning as we tape. Uh, My pleasure, Ken. Thanks for having me. Well, well, let me ask you first before we get into the Hall of Fame. When you got the call that you uh, had won the Baseball Writers Association of America's Career Excellence Award, what was going through your mind?
1: Uh, Well, it was overwhelming. It was overpowering. Dan Shaughnessy and Jason Stark, two previous winners, called me the day before to tell me that if I win, this is what I should be prepared for and... I wasn't prepared for it. It was much, much more powerful than I expected. Uh, it's the greatest honor a baseball writer can have. And um, still, it's been two months, and I'm having trouble processing all of this. Uh, the day after I won the award, Johnny Bench called me at home wow. at 830 in the morning and said, Welcome to the club. You're one of us now. Now, let's be clear, I'm not one of them, and I'm not part of their club, but it's the same idea. Mm -hmm. The greatest catcher of all time gave me a call to congratulate me, And it doesn't get much better than that.
0: Now you can play golf with him now over in Cooperstown, can't you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he'll be uh, 150 yards ahead of me on each drive. Well,
0: let's talk about the uh, vote last week. Uh, David Ortiz, as we said, the only player voted by the baseball writers. I mean, helped the Red Sox win three World Series, and he's a very charismatic figure. I mean, how deserving is he of uh, being a first-ballot Hall of Famer?
1: Well, I voted for him. And I think he's obviously deserving because he got in. Uh, When you look at 10 All-Star games and, more important, three World Series rings, when you look at, you know, 541 homers and a 931 OPS, only seven players in history have ever matched both of those numbers. His postseason numbers are ridiculously good, especially in the World Series. 2013, he hit 688 in the World Series against the Cardinals. And the rest of the Red Sox hit under 200. Uh, and then when you really look at the history of the Red Sox, the rich tradition of the Red Sox, I mean, Ted Williams is obviously the greatest player in the history of the franchise, but you could make a case that either Carly Ostramski or David Ortiz is the second best player ever to play for the Red Sox, especially since he helped deliver three World Series championships there. That's how great David Ortiz was and that's why he made it on the first
0: ballot. Yeah, but of course there were some whispers about Ortiz and steroids, which some say if he got in because they, despite that, you know, shouldn't players like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy Sosa be in?
1: Yeah, it's a really tricky question. In Ortiz's case, I'm trying to make a distinction where he is slightly different than some others. He was in the Mitchell report. Uh, if he tested positive, we're not sure. If he tested positive for a banned substance, he also never got his day in court to explain his side of things because that report was supposed to be an anonymous report. And the Commissioner of Baseball, Rob Manford, came out and basically cleared Ortiz of any wrongdoing on the Mitchell report. So you put all that together. I think it puts him in a slightly different category than say Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez and a different category than, than Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Uh, I voted for Bonds and Clemens. So I understand the confusion. It can get confusing in the voting these days, but uh, I think David Ortiz is in a slightly
0: different group. I mean, should players like Bonds and Clemens, I obviously they're off the ballot now along with Curt Schilling, uh, after 10 years, but I mean, should, but players like that, even though you know, we, we Barry, I think it's allowed to Barry Bonds even before the, the accusations was going to be a Hall of Fame player, and I think same thing with Roger Clemens. But is, is it time maybe the, for the voters to uh, maybe you know, a, 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 you know let them in, but you, you put on their plaque that they were accused of this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's, again, it's a very tricky situation, and I, bo- I voted for Bonds and Clemens every year, and it was not an easy decision, but I voted for them every time because one is the best hitter I've ever seen, and the other, for career value, might be the best pitcher I've ever certainly covered, and um, And I think there was this tacit agreement going on in Major League Baseball back when they played that, you know, there's really no testing, no one was checking, a lot of players were doing it, um, players were even encouraged to do it. Um, So I think that puts them in a separate category, and yes, I I think it's worth at least discussing nationwide, is there a better way to handle and to deal with the steroid guys, the PED guys, because... um, It just doesn't seem right on certain levels, and yet sixty six percent of the voters voted for Bonds and Clements this year. So uh, they're going to get another shot. They're going to be on a probably on a on a special today's era ballot in uh, December. So their chances of getting in the Hall of Fame certainly are not over.
0: Yeah. Well, between uh, Kurt Schilling's statement last year when he asked to uh, be removed from the twenty twenty two ballot. And his uh, his controversial political views. I mean, how much did that hurt him in the long run?
1: Yeah, I think it hurt him. I I voted for Curt Schilling every year. Obviously, I think he's a Hall of Famer. And some of the things he said in recent years is, has made me uncomfortable. I must say, but I'm still. I'm voting on him as a player which he was 15, 20, 30 years ago and I think that's what I should be voting on instead of uh, maybe his political views or his you know his what he says on Twitter. Um, in the end I think he really hurt himself when he told the writers, take me off the ballot uh, before his final year. That that explained the large dip that he got. But he, too, might end up on that ballot in December with a different group, a 16-man group. And I've been in those commi- on those committees before several times. So maybe he'll get another shot on that. We'll see.
0: I think if they do get elected, I think it's going to be interesting how they uh, frame their... Acceptance speeches on the, in July. That's going to be. I would be very interested to see hear what they have to say about everything uh, uh, with the process and all that stuff. Uh, do you think? Speaking of the process, the voting process. Do you think it needs to be changed? I mean, I've seen some writers tweet some stuff that uh, uh, they're upset with the way things are going. Me does this, does this whole thing need to be changed? Uh, do they need to set different parameters for the voters?
1: Uh, No, I don't think the system needs to be changed. And again, I'm hopelessly biased. I've I've been voting for 31 years as a baseball writer, and I've been a member of the BBWA for over 40. So I think we're doing the best we can. Now, the question is, can we use a little more guidance? Yes. I mean, these questions are really, really difficult to answer during the PED era. And again, no sympathy required here. It's a tough, tough, difficult job now. And maybe it should be, given what's at stake here. But I, I wouldn't be against, a, you know, a you know, a national conversation here with the hall, with the commissioner, with former players, with the writers, and with executives, and just kind of hash out, is there a better way to look at this? Is there a better way to evaluate this? Because it seems the writers get pounded every year at at Hall of Fame voting time, and that troubles me a bit. I think we sometimes take away from what we're here for, and that's a celebration of Hall of Famers not, not blasting away at the, uh, for people not getting into the Hall of Fame.
0: I mean, you're obviously in television, also with ESPN. But should broadcasters, I mean, baseball broadcasters, be involved in the voting?
1: Well, obviously they're knowledgeable enough to be involved in the voting. Uh, again, being a writer and knowing the writers have been doing this for so many years, I think we should keep it this way. And none of the writers, of course, works for a major league team. And if not mistaken, some broadcasters work for major league teams, which is, I think, the, the original reason why, you know, they, they may be, some may be partial to players that that they work for on same team that type of thing but i i have no problem with putting the broadcasters on if indeed we we have a way to do it i'm up for examining anything but i have to repeat i think the writers are doing the best they can i think
0: we're doing a good job and if i were in charge i would keep it the way it is well there'll be other um hall of famers going in uh, in cooperstown uh, this summer the uh, Golden Days Era Committee uh, elected Gil Hodges, uh, Jim Cotton, Minnie Minoso, and Tony Oliva. One very obvious omission, and I'm speaking as a Philadelphia Phillies fan here Dick Allen missed by one vote again. Uh, how tragic is that? Well, I think it's the same
1: because I've said for years that. Dick Allen is a Hall of Famer. He was the Rookie of the Year, and go back and look at that Rookie of the Year season he had. It's one of the great Rookie of the Year seasons anyone has ever had. He won an MVP, and he played the majority of his career, of course, during a real pitching era so you got to look at those career numbers and understand uh, that would be different i would think much higher in another era um so i would have voted for him i think he should be in the hall of fame he hit the ball as hard as almost anyone i've ever seen and uh, he was a really good player for a really long time. And you look at his ten best seasons. To me, that's a Hall of Fame career right there.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I only saw him in his second stint with the Phillies when I was growing up in Philadelphia. So I didn't see the his first. but he I mean, he had to put up with a lot too. I mean, obviously, at that year or two was it, you know, uh, black athletes were still you know sometimes being uh, were not treated fairly by fans i mean dick allen was booed a lot and of course uh, toward the end of this drain that, or, or his time there in philadelphia the first time around he would you know write boo in the dirt in, in front of first base but uh how much you know did he i don't know if you ever had a chance but did he ever talk about dealing with that uh you know the, the fans in philadelphia back in the 60s
1: well he was a assistant hitting coach for the Texas Rangers, special hitting coach in 1982 when I covered that team. So I got to know Dick Allen pretty well, and he was a fascinating man. And his approach to hitting which is mostly what I talked to him about, Uh, I found so interesting. But, no, I don't remember ever speaking to him directly about uh, fans in Philadelphia. I mean, he was such a good player there. Uh, He, you know, he had his issues along the way, but I don't think any issue should have kept him out of the Hall of Fame. And I love the guys that went in. I would have loved it more if one more had gone in on that ballot.
0: Well, let's look ahead at 2023 uh, candidates. Who's uh, who is potentially uh, electable?
1: Well, we've got Carlos Beltran as the first guy up, and he's a really interesting um, candidate. I think, off the top of my head, I think he's borderline, at worst, a Hall of Famer, given switch hitter, given combination of power and speed, given an incredible postseason record, given his defense in center field. So I think he's going to be the first guy up that we're going to look at and say, all right, he's going to get strong consideration. I'm not sure he's going to make it on the first ballot. I don't think he's by any means a slam dunk Hall of Famer. But he's definitely on the list, and I have to really, you know, when the time comes, I'll have to go down and really examine. But, top of my head, I would say he's a Hall of Famer, but I
0: need to look at that a little closer. Of course, the baggage with the Houston Astros and the cheating scandal, which cost him his job as managing the New York Mets. I mean, do you think the voters will factor that in?
1: yeah of course they will because you know any sort of you know cheating character whatever you want to call that is going to be factored in by the writers and it should be and i'm not condoning anything and i'm not you know i'm not making anything less than it is but I, if i look at this I, i'm not going to hold that against carlos beltran completely if i think he's a hall of famer in other words but guys on the edge if you have borderline Hall of Fame numbers, something tips you into the yes category or the no category. I'm sure that will tip some into the no category, but at the moment, uh, I'm not planning on doing that. But like I said, I haven't really examined this yet.
0: The One person that intrigues me is Scott Rowland. uh, I, I thought he had a nice career, but to me, not a Hall of Fame career, but he seems to be getting more and more support.
1: Yeah, he's at 63% right now. And history tells us when you get 63% and you've got four years left uh, and the ballot is not filled with Hall of Famers coming up, I think Scott Rowland's going to get in. I don't think it'll be next year, but I think it'll be the year after. Um, You know, after Brooks Robinson and Nolan Arenado. He's the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. Uh, he's more durable than people gave him credit for. He was a good offensive player. He's one of the best base runners I've ever seen and one of the great teammates, I know, because of the way he went out about playing the game the proper way, hitting a home run, dropping his head, and running around the bases about as fast as anyone I've ever seen. So I think Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, and I think he'll get in either next year or the year after. Okay.
0: Well, let's talk about labor here. As we take Monday, things could change between now and the time we post this podcast on Wednesday. But are we now starting to get a little worried about the uh, Major League Baseball lockout? Well, I've been
1: worried since December the 1st. Uh, This is not a good sign that we're out and that work needs to be done and assets and everything are frozen at the moment. However, we did, a week ago, have two days of negotiating, and I think that was encouraging, even though they were contentious and not everything got done and we're not close to an agreement. But... Some things happened that I found at least encouraging. First, the union dropped its proposal to make free agency less than six years of service time. I think that's really important. I think they recognize the owners are not going there. And if the owners aren't going there, then we're, we're not going to play in 2022. So the, the union gave up on that. And that was a good thing, I believe. The owners took a couple things off the table. So maybe there, I know there's hope. Uh, I just am going to be much more worried if we get to three weeks from now and we still don't have an agreement. But it's certainly time to get this thing going so we can salvage spring training and, of course, not affect hundred and sixty-two game
0: season. Especially, we're, here, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and you know we're seeing some great NFL playoff games. I mean, baseball I mean, could shoot itself in the foot if they don't do something. Really, you know, you know we had the ninety or the ninety-four strike, which ended the season. Uh, I mean, if they do, you know, start don't start the season on time, I man. How much it will it really hurt the game?
1: Well. It will be a terrible situation if next year is affected by a lockout. It's, it's just not the time to do this. Baseball is not at its height of popularity as it was, say, in 81. I covered the 81 strike. Baseball was wildly popular in 93, 94, 94, 95. I covered that one, too. Uh, baseball just can't afford this right now. And you're right. These, these football games have been just spectacular the last couple of weekends. And all people truly, truly care about is watching the games and if the games aren't being played in baseball um, it could be very damaging and financially I just have to think both sides are going to look at this and say look how much money is lost if we don't play Uh, so I think one way or another we're going to get this done and we're going to open the major league season on March 31st but we've
0: got a lot of work to do and also I got to think they have to figure out a way to get the game more exciting again and maybe uh, yeah what do you think Shifts in the infield is, is the way to go? Well, we got to get fewer strikeouts, fewer
1: walks, and fewer home runs for me, and more in between more balls put in play pitchers not necessarily interested in striking everyone out hitters who are thinking I they don't have to get the ball up in the air maybe a, a line drive over there or a hard ground ball over there might help And maybe the shift would help maybe if you have to play with two infielders on each side to start a play maybe if all infielders have to be in on the dirt maybe that will give hitters more of an opportunity to say hey I can get a hit if I hit it over there now they look at the field during these extreme shifts and say, my only shot to get it through here is to hit it over the shift. And that's where big swings come from. That's where a lot of strikeouts come from, a lot of walks come from, and a lot of homers come from. And, again, I think we need more action in the game, so let's find some ways. Yeah,
0: know yeah, I see Manny Machado, a third baseman, from, uh, catching a ball in right field, it's just like, no, come on, please, that's,
1: that can't happen. Yeah, and it's happening all the time. But baseball is well aware of this issue. Theo Epstein and others are working on ways to try to make the game better, more exciting, and a lot of work needs to be done, but smart guys are on it and it but this is not gonna turn around in one year. I mean, this is gonna this is a generational thing and it's gonna take some time to really reteach some of our our kid, literally our kids that you know getting the ball up in the air is not always the most important thing and your spin rate and your velocity is not always the most important thing getting getting hitters out is more important so let's hope we get to that point
0: well tim i appreciate a few minutes talking baseball with you here on a cold monday morning and uh again congratulations on your award and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon talk more baseball as we get closer to the season well let's hope so thank you ken The NFL Conference Championship Sunday winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest is Kathleen Durant of Dwaynesburg. Kathleen wins a $100 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Kathleen! We had a four-way tie among the VIP winners. They are Morris Ford, Grand Premier Tires, Emrex, and Capital Land GMC. If you would like to play in the contest for the final time this season, go to dailygazette.com and click the You Pick'em logo. I was 1-1 and with my weekend picks, and I'm 7-5 and in the playoffs. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Tim Kirchin for coming on the show. I'll have another podcast Thursday focusing on college hockey. I'll preview the Union men's games this weekend against second-ranked Quinnipiac and Princeton. And I'll have a conversation with former Union defenseman and the captain of the 24 National Championship team, Matt Bode. I'll get his thoughts on Rick Bennett's resignation as Union's head coach. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, Good day, good sports.